So thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship once again. Um, I have to start with a little side note. Um, in the car on the way today, my wife said, yesterday during the ladies' uh, breakfast, at the start of her presentation, she thanked Sue for organizing, she thanked all the people downstairs, she thanked everyone in the world, except for Aaron, <laughs> who led the uh, music time, the worship time yesterday. So she's down in the nursery today, but yes, thank you. So on behalf of my wife who's in the nursery, thank you very much, not only for today, but for yesterday too. Um, you always do a great job. And thank you, Reg, for the drums and for the guitar and for, for everything that helps us worship the Lord and respond to him in a way that's pleasing to him. So thank you very much. Today we want to continue our series on the church, church essentials, answering the questions like who is in this spot, what's this, where's this, why is this. We've gone over several things about who the church is, what does it mean to be committed to the church, what is the church's mission, all of that. Today, the question we are trying to answer is, who's in charge? Who's in charge? Who runs stuff? What makes the church go? Now you think, oh, I don't know. Well, I'm glad you're here, because that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we do that, let's bow for a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that by reading your word, your Holy Spirit guides us into truth and to what we should do, what we should say, how we should act, what we should think. And so we pray today as we look at your word that we once again would be prodded and prompted and led by your Holy Spirit to do those things, to think those things, to be those things, to act in a way that is pleasing to you. So I pray today as we look at this topic about who's in charge in the church that we would remember most of all that you are on your throne and all glory and honor is due to you. So cleanse my lips to speak your truth now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the first things I noticed about Arendelle Bible Chapel when I came is up here on the ceiling, you have skylights. Not many churches have skylights in the auditorium. And every, every time I comment about the skylights, someone says to me, they leak, you know. <laughs> they leak, you know. Rain comes in and it drips all over stuff. And I think, who's in charge of fixing that? Who, who fixes that when, when stuff is broken? I don't know how to fix that. Who fixes that? And, you know, sometimes there are practical things. Sue's working on fixing the roof, getting the roof fixed. I don't know how to do that. Who's in charge of that? But then sometimes there are other things that go on in the church. We have the AGM meeting every year. Sometimes people get really mad during AGM, start yelling at each other, start fighting with each other. And I think, boy, that's pretty bad. Who's going to fix that? Who's going to take care of that? Who's in 
in charge of that? Sometimes it's something else where there are people that have been coming to this church and then one week they're not here, two weeks they're not here, three weeks they're not here. Who's checking up on them? Who's making sure everything's okay? What's the problem? Who's in charge? Who takes care of stuff like that? Sometimes you also have people in this church who are brand new Christians and they are struggling. That David guy, he's crazy. I don't know what he's saying every Sunday from the front. It doesn't make any sense to me. Or I've been reading the Bible and I really don't understand it. I need some help. Who's going to help them? Who's in charge? Who fixes broken stuff? Who fixes broken people? That's what we're going to try and answer today. Who is in charge? So let's start with who's really in charge. Number one, if you forget everything that I say in this entire sermon today, I want you to remember this slide, okay? So if you forget everything else, remember this slide. What do I want to say? Who's in charge? Jesus is the Lord of the church. Jesus is the Lord of the church. I'll say it one more time. Jesus is the Lord of the church. He is in charge. He is on his throne. He is the one that we owe allegiance to. He is the one who is the boss, if I can use such a colloquial term. He is in charge. How do I know this? If we look at God's word, Jesus himself in Matthew 16, verses 18 to 20, says, you know, Sue's going to fix the roof of the church, or Pastor Nick is going to do this, or Pastor David's going to do that. No, he says, I will build my church. I will build my church. Jesus is in charge. He established the church. He is the one who rules over it. So when Jesus is in charge, he is the one who tells us what to do. He is the one who has given us the mission of the church. We talked about that uh, when we talked about the church and missions. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus is the one through his word who tells us how to relate to each other in John 13, 34, and 35, where he talks about how we should love one another and care for one another. Jesus is the one who tells us how to keep the church pure so that when one is stumbling and falling, you go with one and then you go with two or three if they don't repent and then you bring it before the whole church. He's the one who tells us how to keep the church pure. He is the one, through his apostle Paul, who tells us who should be preaching and teaching. He is the one who tells us what the content should be of that preaching and teaching. Jesus is the Lord of the church. He is in charge. Now you say to me, that's great, David. But Jesus is... In heaven, preparing a place for us, he's not going to call the, the guy to fix the leaky skylights. How does that work then? 
So if, if Jesus is in charge, if Jesus is the Lord of the church, what are we supposed to do? Well, obviously we are supposed to follow him. But in following him, Jesus has given different roles to every part of the church. Now, for the whole church, every one of us, we've talked about this in the past, being a committed member of this church. What does it mean if you are a part of this church? What are we supposed to do? We, as a group, are responsible for the health of the church, caring for one another, supporting one another, helping each other. We are responsible for safeguarding the preaching in this church. If I say something completely off the wall, please come and tell me. Please come and tell me. You have a job to do to make sure that God's word is taught faithfully and carefully. Finally, you also have an obligation to the membership. As we said before, Matthew 18, if a person doesn't respond to the individual and then to the two or three, then the matter is brought before the whole church. So as a church, we have various responsibilities. But God has set up two offices within the church that take special, specific roles. One of those groups is called deacons. And next week, Pastor Nick will tell us all about them and what their job is and what their role is. But my task today is to talk to you about elders. Who are the elders? What is their job? What are they supposed to do? That is our goal today. So our main point for the sermon today, you can forget this one. The first one's most important. What's the first one I tell you? The most important thing to remember about this whole sermon? Jesus is Lord of the church. Very good. A plus for everyone. Good. But the main point I want to get across today is inside Christ's church, and Jesus is the Lord of the church, elders serve to shepherd, oversee, lead, and care for the local church. And to tie it back into what I just said, Jesus is the Lord of the church. Jesus is the good shepherd. And elders are Jesus' assistants for shepherding the church. That's what we want to talk about today. Now, when you look in the, in the New Testament, you see some words that get used over and over again. And sometimes this can be a little confusing. For example, you'll see, not very often, frankly, in the Bible, but the word pastor is used sometimes. I refer to Pastor Nick, and I am Pastor David. What, is a, what does the word pastor mean? It doesn't literally mean the guy who gets paid to work at the church. Shepherd, or, or pastor, means a shepherd. A man who is called to care for and feed God's flock, the church. Sometimes in the Bible, though, you'll see leaders in the church called overseers or bishops. And this is emphasizing the role as a leader or a director, as a guide. And this emphasizes the governing and oversight responsibility that the leader has for the church. Most often, you will see the word 
elder used. What is an elder? An elder is a mature Christian, Christian man called to shepherd, oversee, lead, and care for the church. Now, the interesting thing is that these words are often used very interchangeably, sometimes within the same verse uh, in the New Testament. Acts chapter 20, Titus chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 5. These words are used in a very equivalent sense. So I don't want to get hung up on this idea, well, someone's a pastor and someone's an elder and someone's an overseer. Frankly speaking, it's all the same office. It's the same thing. Let me give you one quick example. If we look at Acts chapter 20, starting at verse 17, Paul wants to meet with the elders of the church in Ephesus. And the book of Acts says this about it, starting at verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, now I have dot, dot, dot there because Paul talks a lot about himself and what his ministry has been and so on. But then starting at verse 28, he comes back to talking directly to the elders. And here's what he says to them. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And then he warns them. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, elders, overseers, pastors, be alert. Remember that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Who's in charge? Jesus is the Lord of the church. And he has appointed elders, pastors, bishops, overseers in this role to help to lead the church, to serve Christ by leading in his church. So our outline for today, very simply, an elder, how do you get this job? How do you become an elder? What are the qualifications? Number two, once you get the job, what are you supposed to do? How do you function as an elder? What is an elder's job? What do they do? Now you say, Oh, I'm so glad this Sunday sermon's on elders. I can go to sleep and wake up at about 11.45 and just enjoy the fellowship time after because this has nothing to do with me. Sorry. Point three is, what is the connection to church members? All right, so those are our three points for today. Number one, qualifications of an elder. Number one... There are some false assumptions many people have in the church. Who should be an elder? Some people think, well, someone who's a faithful church member, they've worked in the nursery, they've 
done, they've taught Sunday school, they've led a growth group, they've done all these things, and they've sort of worked their way up the chain. And so now that they've worked their way up the chain, the logical promotion for them is to become an elder. No. Number two false idea is this person gives a lot of money to this church. They just give boatloads of money to this church. And to borrow a phrase from B.B. King, they're paying the cost to be the boss. They should run the show because they pay for the show. It only makes sense. They run it because they pay for it. They should be in charge. No. Last reason some people think people should be elders is because outside of the church, they're a leader. You know, someone is the CEO of a company, or they're a manager, or they coach a team, or they have some sort of leadership skills that they have demonstrated outside of the church. Now, none of these things are bad. I want you to be a faithful church member and to serve in the church. I'm not going to say I want you to give lots of money. I won't say that. But I do want you to be leaders both inside and outside the church. But when we look at what the Bible has to say about being an elder, very, very little of that is counted on. So, where are the qualifications for an elder listed? 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 7, Titus 1, 6 to 9. For the sake of time, we're not going to read all of those verses, but I'm going to summarize them for you on the next slide. What are the qualifications of an elder? Now, the first qualification may sound strange to you, but the first qualification is you want the job. You want the job. Now, just wanting the job is not qualification enough, but if you don't want the job, you shouldn't be an elder. You should not be an elder. You should never, ever in this church let anyone twist your arm into becoming an elder. Never, never, ever, 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 ever. You, if you are called to be an elder, you should want to do it. Otherwise, you're going to get burnt out or you're not going to do a good job. That's the first point Paul makes in Timothy. Number two qualification is an elder should have a godly character. Things like they should be above reproach. They should be self-controlled. They should be gentle. This is a person who should not be greedy for money. Why are all these things important? If someone is going to be the leader of the church, who is the Lord of the church? Jesus. So if Jesus is the Lord of the church, the people he puts in charge need to reflect his character, need to do the things that he would do because he is in charge of the church. So, is Jesus above reproach? Yes. When, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees tried to scandalize him and say he was doing miracles of the devil, Jesus showed 
that that's not the case. When Peter is chopping off people's ears because he doesn't want Jesus to go to the cross, Jesus is self-controlled and does what his Father's will is. Jesus is gentle. Jesus is kind. Jesus is tender with his followers. And Jesus is not greedy for money. Jesus loves his children. So, not sorry, not his children. They're the father's children. Actually, Hebrews calls them his brothers and sisters, those who follow after him. They become the children of God. So the character of this person is vitally important. And can I say something? If you don't exhibit external or worldly leadership skills, but you have these godly characteristics and God calls you to be an elder, he will give you the leadership skills that you need. I would far, far, far rather have someone with a godly character who can develop leadership skills than to have a leader who doesn't have a godly character. That's not what Jesus wants. That is not what Jesus wants. Now, along with these character qualifications, an elder must be able to teach the Bible. Now, it's interesting, maybe Pastor Nick will point this out again next week, when you look at 1 Timothy, when you look at Titus, and it lists for you the various um, characteristics of elders and deacons, the characteristics are very, very similar. The one thing that is different between elders and deacons is elders are expected to teach. Elders are expected to teach. So if you want to be an elder, you have to be willing to teach the Bible. You have to be a communicator of the Bible. You have to be one who knows the Bible and can share it and can teach others. This is a person or a man who has to be able to lead his family well, both be faithful to his wife and a faithful father to his children. And as many of you know, this is, this is not an egalitarian church. This is a compatibilist church. And so the elder, and we believe according to Scripture, must be a man. Must be a man. And finally, an elder must be an established believer. An elder must be a person who Christ has committed to act as the under-shepherd or one of the under-shepherds to lead his church must be a mature Christian. Because if we're putting in charge leaders who are not mature believers, two things can happen. One, the person can become very arrogant, the text says, and the other danger is they will get overwhelmed and burn out. So, again, if you can't remember that whole list, what are the qualifications of an elder? Be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. All right, point number two. The duties of an elder. Once you are recognized 
as fitting this category, checking the boxes on the qualifications. And at the General Assembly of our church, you get affirmed as an elder. Now you've got the job. What are you supposed to do? These are volunteer positions. You're not making any money, so what is an elder supposed to do? Now an elder, we could list many things, but I'm going to very quickly talk about four things that elders are supposed to do. First one I've already mentioned, so I'll mention it quickly again. Number one duty of an elder is they need to be able to teach. 1 Timothy 5.17 says it this way, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Titus 1 verse 9 says, He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. One of the duties of an elder is to teach, teach the Bible. Now, does that mean that every elder should be preaching every Sunday? Frankly, I wouldn't mind that. That would be, give me a nice break. Let them come, take a turn. Sure, fantastic. And it could be that. Uh, You know, we have three elders in this church. Maybe you don't even know who the elders are. Maybe I should have started with that. Pastor Nick is an elder. Uh, Doug Anderson is an elder. Bill Wiley is an elder. These are people in our church that have to be involved in teaching. I think they are involved in teaching because part of the duty of an elder is to teach God's word. Now, that could be preaching on a Sunday morning. That could be teaching Sunday school. That could be leading in a home group. That could be mentoring one-on-one individuals. But an elder has a task, has a duty given by God to labor in preaching and teaching, to give instruction in sound doctrine, so that when crazy ideas start to creep in, they know what the scripture says and they can refute it with the truth of the gospel. Number two duty of an elder is to lead. Acts 20, 28, which we've already read. I'll just read the one verse again. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. 1 Timothy 3, 4 and 5, talking about the characteristics, qualifications mentions this leadership role. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping the children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? In other words, an elder is an overseer. An elder is someone who manages and takes care of the flock that Jesus has entrusted to them. In other words, to extend the sheep analogy, maybe a little bit too far, but I'm going to use it anyway. Shepherds 
need to lead. They need to help bring the strays back in, the ones who are struggling, the ones who are veering off the path. Elders are shepherds to lovingly restore them and bring them back and help them. Elders are to lead by helping the sheep that are suffering and in difficulty because of difficulties in their lives. And elders are to lead by helping to overcome strife and conflict and difficulty in the church. Because, to to use another analogy, that's what dads do. That's what dads do. And that's why it's important that the elder manage his house well. If you can't break up fights amongst your kids, how are you going to break up fights in the church? You've got to be a leader. Number three. The number three duty of an elder is to model. Model what? Model holiness. 1 Peter 5 verse 3 says, An elder should not be domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Jesus was the example to his apostles. Paul was an example to Timothy. We, if we are looking for elders, we need to look and say, who is imitating Jesus? They must be a person in which we see holiness living out in practice. Not only must they model holiness and godliness themselves, they must also guard godliness, both in themselves and in the church. Guard godliness. First Timothy 4.18 says, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. The elders need to be a model for the church to say, what would Jesus do? Let's look and see what our elders do. And if they're following Jesus, let's be like them. Elders should not only model individually, they should model as a team. How the elders work together, how they support each other, becomes a model for how the church works together, how it supports, each member supports each other. Elders are to be a model. How can elders be a model? One of the most important things elders can do is be among the people. If all the elders do is come on Sunday morning and sit here and as soon as the service is over, they run away. Or, like Pastor Nick and I, we just sit in our office, we never talk to anybody, we just stand up here and tell you what to do and then go home and then that's it. We're not really among you. We're not understanding you. We're not supporting you. We're not helping you. We're not doing what we need to do. So we need to be among the people so that they see And when they see, then the model can take place. Lastly, what is the final duty of an elder? 
Number four, to pray. Acts 6 verse 4, when they were setting up people to take the duties of distributing the food and bread and other things, the apostles said this, the elders, the leaders said, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. James 5.14 also says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Elders should be people of prayer. They should be going before God. Why? Because all of their job Teaching, leading, modeling can only be done effectively through the power of the Holy Spirit. I said last week in the sermon, I am nothing. And I am nothing. But when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of a nothing, he can do great things. And when the elders pray and ask God to do things, elders cannot make people mature. But they can teach them and they can equip them and the Holy Spirit will make them mature. Elders can't make people obey God's word. But the Holy Spirit can if he prompts them and encourages them. And elders need to be praying for that. Elders can't make people reconcile who are fighting. But they can do what God's word says and the Holy Spirit can work in their hearts to make them reconcile. God must do it through his spirit. And elders can ask God to do that in prayer. So that was the part for elders. Now you can wake up again if you've gone to sleep because this is the part for us, for all of us. What is the connection to church members? Two things very quickly. Number one, how does a church respond to elders? Well, first thing we need to be doing is recognizing and affirming elders. If you look at our statement of faith and practice, section C4A says, members may recommend a candidate for elder to an existing member at any time during the year. Now the elders get put in place in March every year, but at any point during the year, if you see somebody you think qualifies to be an elder, tell the elders. One of your jobs is to recognize who has these qualifications? Who is already doing these duties? These are the people who need to be elders in our church. We need your help. Be on the lookout for these people. Secondly, section C5A of the Statement of Faith and Practice says that at the annual meeting, members affirm and provide input about prospective elders each year. So not only are, is your job to find the new elders, but every year the elders need to be affirmed and you need to endorse and say, these people are qualified and these are the reasons that they are qualified 
to be an elder each year. So we all have a duty to recognize and affirm. Second duty as a church to submit to Jesus means submitting to his assistance. So our duty is obedience and submission. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. The elders can't lead if nobody follows. So our duty then is to submit, to obey, to follow. You say, wait a minute, David. That sounds like a cult. That sounds like a cult. The leaders talk and say, you better do this. Okay, I'll do whatever you say. Jump off that cliff. Okay, I'll jump off the cliff. No. We need to obey and submit to the elders. But look at this, 1 Timothy 5, 19 and 20. Do not admit a charge against an elder, except, now I haven't even read the rest, but except says sometimes we need to make a charge against an elder. Do not admit a charge against an elder, except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Why two or three? Because if I have a personal gripe with one of the elders and I just go and I say, get rid of them, get them out, that's just a problem between that person and me. But just like the Old Testament says, on the testimony or on the evidence of two or three witnesses, then this becomes a check, a balance that says, oh, elders need to watch how they lead. Watch what they are doing. And the congregation needs to watch what they are doing to make sure it lines up with who is really in charge in the church. Who is really in charge in the church? Jesus is the Lord of the church. So how does the verse end? 1 Timothy 5.20 says, As for those who persist in sin, talking about elders, Rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. Fear not meaning terror, but a recognition of the seriousness of what it means to be in leadership and a follower of Jesus. Elders are accountable to Christ, but they are also accountable to members. A couple of weeks ago, when I was talking about um, being committed to the church, I put up a little chart. I'm putting up the little chart one more time because it mentions elders again. What is the elders' job? Their job is to equip and shepherd us. It's our job to recognize and support them. And as individuals, what is our job? It is to obey, and it is their job to give us oversight. This is how Jesus is the Lord of the church. So what is the application for us? 
What am I supposed to do? If you're an elder, I have two questions for you. Number one, are you being faithful in your role as a shepherd and an overseer under Jesus for his church? Are you being faithful? It is a hard job. It is a hard, hard, hard job. And so we need the Holy Spirit's strength and guidance to be faithful in doing this job. Question number two for elders. Are you nurturing the next generation of elders? Part of being an elder means you're a little bit older. And part of being older means you're not going to be around as long as younger people. So are we nurturing the next generation of elders? Now for the church, three quick questions. Number one, are you praying for our elders? Are you praying for our elders? They need it. They really need it. Satan loves nothing more than to get the church all messed up. In Chinese, we say, the fish rots from the head. The fish rots from the head. If Satan can get the leaders all messed up, then the church is going to struggle. We need to be praying for our elders. Secondly, are you, as faithful members of this church, are you on the lookout for men who are demonstrating the character and actions of an elder so that you can go to the elders and say, this is a person who is exhibiting the character of an under-shepherd who is faithful to Jesus, the Lord of the church. And finally, are you submitting to the loving oversight that the elders are trying to provide? They're not there to boss you around for their own pleasure. They are there to help you, to strengthen you, to nurture you, to help you by the Holy Spirit's power to become mature in Christ. Are you willing to submit to them? Jesus is the Lord of the church. We need to follow him. We need to obey him. And we need to support and love and cherish his under-shepherds, the elders. Amen.